Good morning. My name is, uh, is Chris Gatlin, and uh, my wife and I have been married for 16 years. We have three kids, a uh, 10-year-old boy, a 7-year-old girl, and a 4-year-old boy. Uh, if you, after the service, if you see three kids running around at very high speeds and thinking, who are those kids' parents? It's us. So... Uh, <clears throat> We, uh, we are, uh, my wife and I are missionaries with an organization called The Navigators, and we lead a collegiate ministry at the University of Virginia, and uh, we've been um, missionaries with The Navigators now for about 13 years, so uh, it's good to be with you. Let me pray, and we're going to jump in. All right. Lord, thanks for who you are. God, thanks that you are good, that you are for us, and that you are for our transformation. God, thanks that you desire to make us more like you. And so I pray this morning, would you quiet our hearts, set aside the distractions, the busyness, the many things that are going on in our lives. And I pray, Father, that we would hear from you. So, Lord, we commit this morning to you. And we pray, God, that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. it was a couple of months ago that I was, uh, I was meeting, uh, a guy had reached out to me and I was meeting him for the first time and we were having coffee and, uh, and as our coffee was, was moving forward I realized after a series of very specific questions I was finally able to get a number of details out of, out of this guy only to realize that, um, that he graduated from an Ivy League school he, he went to UVA for grad school, and after a number of very specific questions, I was able to figure out that he was actually a very high-level executive for a very well-known government organization. In short, he was remarkably successful, and, and he was very reluctant to tell me about how great he was and how good his accomplishments were. In fact, the only reason why I found out any of that was because I'm just good at asking questions, and so I just kept on asking more and more specific questions until he would have just had to lie to me and to not divulge who he was. And, um, but what was so amazing to me is when I left that time with this guy, it, I didn't walk away amazed at how great he was and how accomplished and successful he was. I walked away amazed that he somehow had the ability to make me feel like I was significant. He wasn't interested in talking about himself. He was interested in me. He was was interested in knowing and valuing me. And as we walked away, I thought to myself, how could someone be so successful and yet so genuinely humble? He had no ounce or desire of wanting to promote himself. And I walked away feeling so significant because he genuinely cared for me. And as I left that, I thought to myself, you know, that's the kind of person that I long to be one day. Someone who's so genuinely humble that when people get done spending time with me, they feel like they are important, not like I was important. And... um, And so this morning, we're going to talk about humility, humility. And, you know, humility is one of the most important and I think beautiful character qualities that a person can possess, but it's also one of the hardest and most elusive qualities to actually acquire. 
You see, John Stott said, and I love this quote, he said, at every stage of our Christian development and in every sphere of our Christian discipleship, pride is the greatest enemy and humility our greatest friend. Listen to that one more time. At every stage of our Christian development and in every sphere of our Christian discipleship, pride is the greatest enemy and humility our greatest friend. Isn't that true as you think about your own life? That pride is your greatest enemy and humility your greatest friend? When it comes to relating with your spouse, when it comes to relating with your friends or conducting yourself at work, or when it comes to parenting, or when it comes to how you think, pride is our greatest enemy. And so I want to begin our time this morning by defining some key terms that we're going to be using. And so the first term, obviously, is what is humility? What is humility? It was C.J. Mahaney, a noted pastor and author, who said, humility is honestly assessing ourselves in light of God's holiness and our sinfulness. Someone else has said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's not thinking of yourself at all. Paul Tripp, a well-known author, said to find humility like this, humility is not about denigrating who you are, but about joyfully living for someone and something bigger than yourself. And so what is pride? Well, I just want to bring a really simple definition of pride to the table because I'm a simple person, as my wife can testify. Pride is just having a significant focus on yourself. Pride is having a significant focus on yourself. Pride is a focus on myself that results in me placing my focus, my faith, and my trust in me instead of God. And pride has an uncountable number of ways that it manifests itself in our lives. See if you can relate to any of these examples of pride. Being critical or judgmental of others. Looking down on others. Having an independent and self-sufficient spirit. Desiring to prove that you're right. Consistently looking for recognition and appreciation. Bragging. Being quick to blame others. An inability to accept criticism. Becoming defensive when someone is giving you constructive criticism. About a week ago, my wife and I were in a conflict and, and uh, she, was, she was giving me some constructive criticism and, and I was responding and she said, don't you feel like you're being defensive right now? And I said, no, I am not being defensive. And she looked at me and she goes, wasn't that defensive? Satan, get behind me. It's like, hmm, oh, hate it when she's right. Here's some other examples. See if you can relate to these. Being concerned about what others think of you. Being concerned about your own reputation. Hiding your sin from other people. Struggling to ask people for help. Consistently comparing yourself to others. Being overly competitive. Trying to one-up people. Struggling to admit that you're wrong. Always painting yourself in the best light instead of the most accurate light. But it's also pride when you think of yourself as less than everyone. When you're down on yourself. When you're deeply self-critical. When you think that everyone else is better than you. When you have a woe-is-me attitude. 
Why? Because you're still focused on yourself. So whether your focus on yourself results in positive thoughts or negative thoughts about yourself, it's still pride because it all still revolves around you. And because we all have a sinful nature, we all struggle with pride and we all need to grow in humility. And to be frank, pride has been a significant lifelong struggle for me personally. And so I share today not as an expert in humility, but as a fellow struggler who wants to pursue humility and kill pride in my own life. And just as an awesome reality check, I asked my wife this morning before this message, I said, hey, uh, do you think pride is something that I struggle with? And she looked back at me and she's like, yeah. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> you know. And she, goes, and she goes, but you know, your pride's a little different. She goes, you don't run around bragging about yourself. You just think that your way is the best way. And I thought to myself, oh, great. Well, I don't run around bragging about myself. I just think my way is better than everyone else's. And, and, and I thought to myself, like, somebody else should really preach this message. <laughs> but it was that idea of, of if you look deep enough, and if you're willing to ask the hard questions of the people who know you best, you will find that, that pride is an ever-present struggle that sits beneath so much of what we say and do. So I want us to consider for a moment, why is humility difficult to obtain? Why is humility difficult to obtain? You see, everything within our flesh says that life is all about me. Life is about promoting me, it's about my reputation, it's about proving my worth to others, it's about me gaining your respect and approval. But humility is all about God and others. You see, humility is one of the most elusive character traits because it's so hard to live a life that's not focused on me. You see, and, and humility is also very easy to fake, you see, you can pretend to be humble on the outside by saying or doing the right things, but on the inside, you can actually be filled with prideful thoughts, right? You can actually say and do the right things, and other people think, what a great guy, what a great girl, but on the inside, if your thinking is fueled by pride, it can be an abomination to God. And you may be able to trick people that are around you, but you will not fool God. And so this morning... We're going to explore the Bible to discover some important truths that God reveals to us about both pride and humility. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Matthew 18, 4. Bart, could we get the lights turned up just a little bit? Thanks, buddy. So the first thing I want us to see here in Matthew 18, 4 is this. Humility is God's definition of greatness. Humility is God's definition of greatness. Check out Matthew 18, 4. Listen to what it says. It says, therefore, whoever humbles himself, Jesus is speaking here, he says, therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus comes along and he says that the, the defining characteristic of greatness in the kingdom of God is humility. It's humility. Of all the things that he could have said, this is how God evaluates greatness, he could have said so many things, and instead he says humility. And notice how this definition is so different from the way the world defines greatness. 
You see, true greatness has nothing to do with where you got your degree from or where you live or how much money you have or how many friends you have or your occupation or your social status or your job title or your reputation or your accomplishments. That's the way the world defines greatness, but it's not the way that God defines greatness. So my question to you this morning is, do you want to be great? And if so, what definition of greatness are you using? What's your definition of greatness? You know, I have a friend, and uh, when uh, just after he graduated college, he uh, attended this church for the very first time, and, and he got there, and uh, he accidentally got there uh, an hour early because he thought that's when the service started, and, and so he went into the restroom and used the restroom, and he had on this really nice suit, and, and he noticed that the, um, that the restroom was, like, pretty dirty, and he came out, he found one of the janitorial staff, and he said, he said hey, you know, I'm, I'm here kind of early, I don't have anything to do, could I just borrow some cleaning supplies, and I'm just going to just kind of clean the bathroom a little bit. She's like, you're wearing a nice suit, you, you can't clean the bathroom in a suit. And he, and he said, it's, it's no big deal, really. And so he, that day, he cleaned the men's bathroom, and then he knocked, and no one was in there, so he cleaned the women's bathroom. And, um, and the next Sunday, he, he came back an hour early again. And, and, uh, and the, the, the janitorial staff, she says, you know, you showed up early last week. You know the service doesn't start for another hour. And he said, yeah, but I just thought it might be helpful if I just clean the bathrooms again. And, and uh, so he came, still nice suit, cleans the bathroom. And, and he did that for, for about six months. He would show up early and just clean the bathrooms before, before the service. And, and um, about six months in, the, 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 this, this elderly woman who was on the janitorial staff, she says, you know, I really think you need to meet my son. And, uh, and he says, okay, sure. And so after the service, she says, I'm going to introduce you to my son after the service. And so she, she says, here, come with me. And she comes, and she introduces him to the head pastor of the church. And, and the head pastor says, Oh, mom, this is the, this is the young man you've been telling me about? And, um, and he says, she says, yeah, this, this is him. And, and the pastor said, well, we should meet for, for coffee. And, and so they got together and for over a number of weeks. And the pastor said, I really want you to come and be a part of our, of our church staff. And he said, well, well, why? And he said, because we got, you know, 1,000, 2,000 people that go here. But he said, um, you're the only one humble enough to actually clean the toilets. So I figured you'd be a good person to have on my staff team. So, so they brought him onto a staff team, and then about five years later, as the pastor was getting ready to retire, he, um, he comes to my friend Calvin, and he says, Calvin, um, I, I need to ask you an important question. He says, well, sure, what is it? And he said, I'm going to be retiring soon, and uh, we need somebody to be able to lead the church, and I was thinking uh, that you're the person to lead the church. And he said, but I'm only like, you know, 28. How can I, how can I lead this, this big church? And he said, Calvin, you may be 28, but I think you're the most humble person that we have in the church. And therefore, you're the most qualified to lead our church. And he took over as head pastor of this large church, all because he started cleaning the bathrooms. And I thought to myself, that's incredible. That's that's unbelievable. But that's how greatness in the kingdom of God works. That's how greatness in the kingdom of God works.
The next several truths we're going to look at all come from a passage in Philippians chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Philippians chapter 2. And the first thing we're going to see from this passage is that humility puts the needs of others before myself. Humility puts the needs of others before myself. Take a look with me at Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Here's what it says. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. You know, this has got to be one of the most challenging passages in the Bible for me personally. As it says, do, don't even do one single thing out of selfish ambition. But instead, the way that God wants us to live our lives is in humility. He wants us to honor others above ourselves. He wants us to put the needs of others, consider the needs of other people as more important than our own needs. Well, I don't know about you, but I consider my needs to be pretty significant. I mean, I wish that I could tell you that as soon as I wake up every day and my alarm goes off, my first thought in the morning is, what does my wife need and want today? But that's usually not my first desire. And my guess is it's probably not yours. You know, one pastor, well, let me, let me back up a little bit. As we think about this idea of, of humility, it doesn't ask, how can you help me? It always asks, how can I help you? How can I meet your needs? You see, pride says, how can you help me? Pride says, I'm going to use people for personal gain. Pride says, I'm too busy to help others. And pride thinks that my life is more important than your life. You know, I have a friend, and he has one word that he uses to describe his philosophy of life. And, um, and it's so unique, and he uses the word con-ascend. Con-ascend. And uh, you obviously are probably familiar with the word ascend, right? To rise, and con meaning against. And so he says he wants his, his philosophy of life, he says, is to con-ascend. And, and, and I said, well, well, what does that mean, Craig? And he said, he said, I want to, instead of rising, I want to go lower so that I can always put myself below everyone else so that I'm always reaching up to help people. He said, I never want to reach down to help someone in life. I always want to reach up to help them. And I thought, man, what an incredible picture and philosophy and way of living, of following Jesus, to think, how can I put myself below others so that I can reach up to help people and not reach down from a place of superiority. The next thing we learn in this passage is that humility never promotes or exalts myself. Humility never promotes or exalts myself. Look with me at Philippians 2, 5 through 7. Here's what it says. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. So it says here, right, that Jesus says he made himself nothing. The one who really was something, the one who had and deserved all glory and all fame, 
It says he made himself nothing. Can I ask you a really tough question? When is the last time that you made yourself nothing so that you could make others something? Because it says that's what Jesus did for us, for you, for me. He made himself nothing. You see, humility doesn't care who gets the credit for something, and humility isn't concerned about my reputation. But pride, on the other hand, it wants credit for everything that I do. Pride exalts me and my reputation. Pride always tries to paint myself in the most positive light instead of the most accurate light. Pride tries to manage my reputation and what other people think about me. And pride tries so hard to hide my weaknesses and pretend that I really am better than I really am. The next thing we see in this passage is that humility moves me to serve others. Humility moves me to serve others. Look with me at Philippians 2.7 and look at what it says here. Right? It says, rather he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. So Jesus made himself nothing so that he could serve others, so that he could serve you and me. You see, humility moves me to make personal sacrifice so that I can serve others. When was the last time that you helped and served someone else at great cost to you? Where it truly required sacrifice on your part. You see, pride says I'm too busy to serve or I'll only serve if it's convenient for me. But humility moves me to serve others even though it's costly. Even though it's costly. The next thing we see in this passage is God's desire for you and for me to humble yourself. To humble yourself. Look with me at Philippians 2.8. Here's what it says. Philippians 2.8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So it says here that Jesus humbled himself. One pastor said, God's plan A is humility, and plan B is humiliation. The choice is yours. God's plan A is humility, and plan B is humiliation. The choice is yours. You know, we will all be humbled one day. The question is, will you humble yourself, or will God have to humble you? You see, if you're wise, then you will choose to humble yourself. Because when God has to humble you, it is not fun. You know, throughout my life, God has lovingly and gently tried to humble me. But uh, by nature, I'm a pretty stubborn and hard-headed person. And, um, And I just wasn't into what God was trying to push me to. And so 10 years ago, uh, I started suffering from severe anxiety for the first time in my life. And so for the last 10 years, that's been a battle that I've faced. And God has used that battle to bring me to points of, of acknowledging my own weakness and inability 
and lack of ability to control my own life that has been so difficult. I've seen darker emotional days than I ever thought that I, that I would. And I've struggled more than I ever thought that I would struggle. And God has used that to break me and to humble me and to show me that I need him infinitely more than I thought that I did. And then, because God knew that I needed a little bit of extra help, about five years ago, God also brought um, an autoimmune disease into my life, which has caused another level of things that I'm unable to control and difficulty and, and hardship and and even embarrassing symptoms that I lack the ability to control in my life. And and God has used those things to basically say to me, Chris, you wouldn't humble yourself. And so I came in and humbled you. And that's not to say that I am now humble, but it is to say that I am a lot more humble than I used to be 10 years ago. And Ten years ago, man, I just had just this amazing view of myself. I mean, I thought I was awesome. And I thought my wife was so fortunate to have me, you know. Now, I wouldn't have said that out loud, but in my mind, I was like, come on, I'm not a drug dealer. I'm a relatively nice guy, you know. Um, But now, sometimes I think to myself, oh, my poor wife, she's stuck with me for the rest of her life. Pray for her, you know. But God has used it to move me towards humility. And my plea with you is, wherever you are in your life, young, middle-aged, old, my encouragement to you is to humble yourself so that God doesn't have to come in and drop the hammer in your life. Because when God drops the hammer, it hurts. It hurts. And so God dropped the hammer in my life, but I consider it to be the most merciful, wonderful hammer that's ever fallen on me. Because... When we were talking this morning, I was talking to, to Jana, and I asked, do you think I'm, I'm, I'm proud? And she's like, yeah. And she goes, but boy, you've come so far since we first got married. And so even though she's saying like, hey, you still have major issues, you know, <laughs> you're growing, you're moving in the right direction, right? And, and, and that's good. That's, I think that's what we all hope for is can we just move in the right direction? Can I just take some small steps towards Jesus? Right, the the next thing we see in this passage is that humility results in obedience. Humility results in obedience. Look with me at Philippians 2, 7 and 8 again. Here's what it says. It says, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. So it says here, Jesus made himself nothing. He chose to become a servant. And the result of those things, the result of him humbling himself, was that he walked in obedience to God, even really difficult obedience. Even really difficult obedience. And when we choose to walk in humility, what we're really saying is, God, I need you and I'm dependent upon you. I acknowledge, God, that your way is always best and is always right. And if that is your heartbeat, then obedience will flow naturally from that mindset. But conversely, pride says, I know how to manage my life. 
I know what's best for me. I'm independent. I don't need anybody's help. I can do whatever I want to do. And that is really the American way. But every time that we disobey God, we spit in his face and we tell him, not your will, but my will be done. I can do whatever I want. I won't go your way. I'm going to go my way. And at its root, every sin that we commit is ultimately an act of pride. Right? It's an assault upon the goodness and majesty of a holy and loving God. But humility helps us to remember who God is and who we are. And it helps us remember how much we need him. You see, humility results in obedience because it keeps us dependent upon God and not on ourselves. But what if we choose to reject humility? And what if we choose to walk in pride? How does God respond to us if we choose to walk in pride? How does God respond to us when we choose to walk in pride in our marriages and as we interact with our spouse? Or fill in the blank, whatever your favorite pride avenue is. Let's turn to 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6 and see what God says. It says here that he opposes the proud. And this is what these verses say. In the same way, when you were younger, submit yourselves to, to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Boy, this is a challenging verse that God says here. God opposes the proud. When we choose to walk in pride, God stiff arms us. As I was watching some of the football highlights yesterday, there was one touchdown where the receiver got the ball. He was running for the end zone. He was at the five. The cornerback was right there ready to tackle him in perfect position. And the wide receiver put his arm all the way out directly onto his helmet, stiff armed the dude, pushed him to the ground, walked right into the end zone, scored the touchdown, looked back at him and it was like, what's up? I just dominated you. All with a stiff arm. Right? The wide receiver opposed him. And there was nothing that cornerback could do about it. And, and that's the picture that I get here when God says, I don't know about you, but, you know, there's lots of people that may oppose us in life. But when God opposes you, free tip for today, it's not a good thing. If there's anybody you don't want to oppose you, it's God. Right? Like, if Bart opposes me, maybe because I have incredibly large muscles and a huge physique, I could, I could defeat him. Maybe. But if God opposes me, God has bigger muscles than me. That may be shocking to you, knowing that I'm a bodybuilder, but I'm not really a bodybuilder. But we did meet a real bodybuilder the other day. Let me stay focused on pride. Focus on pride. Okay. So God opposes the proud. So as, as we wrap up here, I want to talk about one final point. That humility comes from believing and trusting in the gospel daily. Humility comes from believing and trusting in the gospel daily. You see, humility flows from a correct understanding of who God is and a correct understanding of who I am. And the only place that you find both of those truths is the gospel. You see, the gospel tells you that you are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe. 
But you are more loved and accepted than you ever dared hope. That's the good news and the reality of the gospel. You see, and whenever you're feeling proud or judgmental or critical or looking for a way to exalt yourself or your reputation, you have to preach the gospel to yourself. But you preach the part of the gospel that you most need to hear. So when you're thinking too highly of yourself, you should tell yourself that you're absolutely sinful and flawed. And that your sins are what put Jesus on the cross. And that will bring you down to see yourself as you really are and move you towards humility. But if you're feeling low and you're feeling down on yourself, then you need to use the gospel to lift you up. And you should tell yourself that you're utterly and unconditionally and completely loved and delighted in by God. That God would rather give up his own son to death than lose you and spend eternity without you. That you are the apple of his eye and because of Jesus, he is pleased with you. And that truth will lift you up to see yourself as you really are and to move you towards humility. You see, preaching the gospel to yourself is your only hope. It's the only way that you and I will ever become truly humble. Because the gospel takes the focus off of me and my performance and puts the focus onto Jesus and his performance. Because when you're focusing and trusting in Jesus alone, there's no room for pride. You see, the fruit of the gospel in our lives is genuine humility. And if you don't see genuine and consistent humility in your life, it's probably because you're not understanding or trusting in the gospel. Because if you were, humility would be flowing freely in your life. So as we conclude this morning, let's recap what we've talked about. We talked about how humility is God's definition of greatness. We talked about how humility puts the needs of others before myself. We talked about how humility never promotes or exalts myself. We talked about how humility moves me to serve others. We talked about how God desires for us to humble ourselves. We talked about how humility results in obedience and how God opposes the proud. And lastly, we talked about how humility comes from believing and trusting in the gospel daily. So how can we apply to our lives some of what we've heard this morning? I want to give you just a few ideas to consider. Maybe you have your own and that's fine, but, but maybe one of these might resonate with you. Maybe it would be good for you to sit down and to identify areas in your life where you see pride and choose to repent. Maybe it would be good for you this next week to begin to be observant of your actions and your words and your thoughts and to identify where are areas in my life that pride is motivating the way that I'm thinking or living. Maybe at the end of each day, this week, you could stop and give God credit for every single good thing that happened that day instead of thinking that you're the one who did it. Maybe you want to spend some time this week praying and asking God to give you a humble heart. Maybe you need to humble yourself and reconcile some kind of broken relationship. Maybe it's a relationship that you didn't break, that somebody else broke. But maybe you still need to reconcile it. Or maybe this week you need to begin to learn to preach the gospel to yourself. And when you're thinking too highly of yourself, you use the gospel to bring you down. And if you're thinking too low of yourself, you use the gospel to raise you up.
Maybe you need to go home and apologize to your spouse for the specific ways that pride has hurt marriage. And I'm not talking about just generally saying, honey, I'm sorry that I'm proud, but being specific and saying, sweetheart, I realize that pride has hurt you and hurt our relationship because I struggle to admit when I'm wrong or I get defensive when you give me honest, constructive feedback or I always think that my way is the right way or the best way or sometimes I just don't want to listen to you or whatever it is. Maybe you just need to go home and specifically identify where have you seen pride damaging your marriage or your friendships? So I want to encourage you to leave here today with a commitment to do at least one thing in the next three days to try to move your heart towards humility. Not that that one thing will suddenly make you humble, but I hope that it will begin to move your heart in a direction towards Jesus and towards humility as he does the work in you that he desires to do. So may God transform us into men and women who would walk in genuine humility and put the needs of others before ourselves. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you and we acknowledge, God, that pride is such a hideous sin that underlies so much of what we do and how we live and how we relate. And Lord, we need you to help us. We need you to give us hearts of genuine humility. Lord, we need you to change us, to make us more like you. God, would you help us to own our sin, to stop trying to pretend like we're better off than we really are, God, would you help us to see ourselves as we really are, not as we wish that we were? Would you help us not to live as imposters, trying to pretend that we are someone that we are not? Lord, instead, I pray that you would give us the courage to take an honest look in the mirror, to repent of our sin and to run towards you, and to allow you to change us, to allow you to make us the humble men and women that you desire for us to be. Lord, we just declare, God, that we need you. We can't do this without you. And as much as we want to convince ourselves and others that we're awesome, Lord, help us to find peace in realizing that you are the one who is awesome. And because of that, we don't have to be. God, we just say that we love you. We praise you for who you are. And Lord, I pray that 2019 would be a year that we would pursue you more wholeheartedly than we ever have before. God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.